All right. Welcome, everybody. I, uh, if, uh, if anyone here doesn't know who I'm, I am, I'm, I'm Jason, one half of Jason and Becky, or uh, Bacon and Jesse, depending on who you're asking. Um, so, yeah. You know, last week, uh, Will asked a very important question in our youth time. Uh, he asked, how long are you going to go on Saturday? <laughs> I said, well, I'm not sure, man. It could be five minutes or 45 minutes. It's, it's a wild card right now. And uh, he said, that's fine. You'll do fine. Just don't go as long as Adam. <laughs> so I'm not going to go Adam long, so you're fine. All right. So uh, this is the last lesson in our core practices series. Uh, The first four, follow Jesus, love neighbor, grow disciples, create space, and bring peace. Uh, Or bring peace is tonight. Uh, Let's jump into our scripture for the night. Tonight we are going to look at Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22. And we are using the New Living Translation, that is the uh, translation of our youth study Bible. So I want to represent them in that way. Uh, Let's go ahead and read. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You are called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews, who are proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days... You are living apart from Christ. You are excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law, its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him. And peace to the Jews who are near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone of Christ is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. All right, tonight we're going to look at three questions. Uh, what is our current understanding of peace? What is the peace that Jesus gives us? And where are we seeing that kind of peace? So what's our current understanding of peace? Um, in the youth, we talk sometimes about word umbrellas. Um, English language is funny, right? It's like a collection. It's like Heinz 57. It's all these different languages that influence it. Um, we get all these different types of thought and concepts, and then we kind of put them under one word or moniker, right? Like, uh, I think the most familiar one everybody is, is with love, right? You can, uh, you can love me, you can love your significant other, you can love mint chip ice cream, right? But it's all different types of love. It's kind of the same thing with peace, right? In Hebrew, they have multiple types. We're going to talk tonight about shalom. Uh, in Greek, you have uh, arenet. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, so there was a Facebook post recently by one of our members, uh, Amy Sinclair. And I loved this post, and it helps perfectly, and I did get her permission to use it. So um, let's see. She says in this post, I feel like so many times I keep my mouth shut in order to keep the peace. Maybe I shouldn't. Hashtag Dr. King. Hashtag my hero. And then you have a picture of Dr. King and a quote. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. That's great. A couple of things to notice here. One, I really need to charge my phone. I only have 10% battery left. Uh, another Kelly Moss, thank you for liking or loving it, one or the other. Um, and, and to be honest, you know, hashtags, I don't really read them. I just kind of glance by them. I really thought she put hashtag drinking. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Amy, I'll see you. <laughs> so so this is a, I've, I think this is an extremely relatable post, Right? We've all been in those situations where something's going on, something's bothering us, but we kind of weigh that cost, right? Do we want to bring it up? Do we want to cause a stir or a disturbance or confrontation with someone? Our idea for peace there is really, uh, it's more of like a serenity, right? A still waters, a, you know, our Lord leads us to meadows, Right? where we rest. That's, that's, I think that's moving closer to, to rest than the type of peace we're going to look at and the type of peace that we commit to when we say we're going to practice this bringing peace together. It's this, uh, instead of this desire not to cause commotion or uh, try to, to keep the peace in that way. So let's divest a little bit from, back up from the word peace and uh, and start to kind of split it up a little bit. Next, uh, Adam, would you mind getting the lights? We're gonna we're gonna show a little video, and uh, then we're gonna digest it. It's a bear with. It's a heavy one. <laughs> Mrs. J.D. Mallon, and I think this is the most ridiculous thing that has ever happened. 
The Negroes are just as free as we are. They have the same opportunity to work and to build their part of the town up just the same as we have. I, I just don't understand it and don't approve of it. And I'm going to stand up for my right. Jim Knight with WALB Television News. Mm -hmm. We're soliciting the views of Albany people on the Civil Rights Bill. Would you like to give us your views? Well, I think if they remain peaceful, it would be a lot better than perhaps the violence that was concerned. Uh, well, of course, being a southerner, I'm not for it at all. I see. And uh, I just don't know how it's going to turn out. I hope we don't have any trouble. We're soliciting opinions on the Civil Rights Bill. Would you like to give us yours? I'm sorry, but I don't think it's the time right now. I think they have equal rights, though. Thank you very much. Would you like to express your views? No, I don't think so. How about you? Nope. What I'd have to say wouldn't be fit to go on air. Thank you very much. I don't like it. I think you're just trying to put something on, on us that we don't want. I see. We ought to have a national election on it rather than just letting nine men tell us what we got to do. And how about you? I feel the same. Fine, thank you very much. Well, I sure don't like it, that's for sure. I see. Do you feel this will have any effect on your life directly? I imagine it will. Thank you very I'm much. I'm afraid we might have niggers to live next door to us. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> okay, so there are tons of these interviews on the internet you can go back and watch. I'm sure you're like really chomping at the bit to do that, right? Like, seems like a really fun night. So, <laughs> so what we saw is people getting interviews on their views of the civil rights movement. So what was going on? We, we, hopefully you already know you're caught up on, we were having all sorts of marches and sit-ins, and there was a lot of unrest. And that one in the middle where she mentions peace, that's something that comes up a lot in these videos when we watch interviews, is I really wish they would just keep the peace. Uh, the audacity of them, right? So, surely she can't mean the same thing when we're talking, like hindsight, really, we're, when we talk about peace, it can't be like that, right? Um, so, what was going on? With these movements and the sit-ins, specifically, uh, really every type, but we're going to talk about that. You would have a person of color come into an establishment that was reserved for only white people, and their mere existence, just the presence, the fact that they're existing in that space would rile people up so much that they would curse, that they would throw things, that they would spit, and sometimes far worse. And yet, it's the white patrons who would say things like, if they would just keep the peace... What we're seeing here by the brave women, men and women who did this was that the sort of commotion that they introduced uncovered a piece that they didn't have, that they weren't privileged to, right? It's, it's so easy. I'm going to talk for a second from a place of privilege, right? So my mom and dad are here. They, Leonard and Lisa, the two 39-year-olds over there. Yeah. I'm not even 20. That'd be weird. So they gave me a great home. You know, they, uh, we weren't rich, but we didn't go hungry. They made sure we were safe. They made sure that 
We, were, we had things to do. We were brought up in the right way. We treated people right. Um, it's really easy when you have an embarrassment of blessing to forget that people need to be blessed, right? It's like when you have so much water, you just, you're never thirsty. You never think about being thirsty. But then there's this whole group of people out there that don't get that water. They don't have availability to it. There is a unrest that's present and it's so hard for the blessed to see. We have to uncover that. We have to turn it over for peace to be able to exist. So I know that was a really heavy segment. So what I'm going to do is we're going to shift. We're going to make a hard shift right now to something not heavy at all. We're going to do a magic trick. So, yeah, seriously, we're going to distract you for a little bit. We're going to do a magic. And Anne is going to join me on stage when, uh, yeah. So everybody give it up for Anne. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, we have a couple of measuring cups. They kind of look like pitchers here. We have one bottle of water. It's smart water, so that's magical. And go ahead and put some water in that one there. And you may know what this is. Strainer, yeah, a little hand strainer. Some people call it a spider. It's really good for cooking and hot fluids like grease. Yeah, that's good. All right. So, this is actually a magic strainer. What we're going to do here is we are going to pour the water into the other container, but try to do it through the strainer. The key to this trick is this is a magic strainer. So, when the water goes through, it's actually not going to go into the other container. It's going to go somewhere else. Seriously. All right, and what I want you to do first is just pour the water just so everybody can make sure, yes, it's actual water. This is a trick magicians do. Yep, actual water. So now we're going to do our trick. I'll give you that one. I want you to pour it through the strainer. We're going to see where it goes. Shoot. All right, to her credit, you know, Anne committed to this like 30 minutes ago. So I want you to know if this doesn't work, it's not my fault, it's yours. <laughs> All right, we're going to try it again. Try that one more time. Okay, Ian, I get it. I get it. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. So in magic, a lot of times they have to fail at the trick, right? Uh, because you want to put something at risk, ratchet up the tension. You know what I mean? Yeah, so uh, I heard you have a phone, right? Nice phone. What kind of phone? Samsung, can you put it in the other, the empty container for me? You don't, you don't actually have to do it. We're not gonna, we're not gonna do it because yeah, obviously this is not working out. Everybody, thank you, Ann. Thank you. All right, so a lot of times with peace, we get locked in this one-dimensional idea of peace as being the absence of disturbance. And really, I think it's, pretty ingrained into, I'm drinking some magic water. It's really ingrained to 
our culture, right? In America, it's, we're very much, you do your thing, I'm gonna do my thing, don't bother me, I'm not gonna bother you, we'll each go into our own house, watch our own Netflix, which is, Netflix is glorious, but, but still, like we wanna stay out of each other's way all the time and not like work things out, not get to know each other. It's this passive sort of peace. Uh, there's also this Franciscan idea with Christians, right? That I'm not going to let the world bother me. I'm just going to let it pass right through me. And, you know, people are going to see that peace, and then they're going to change, right? But then they pass right through, and nothing changes, right? You didn't help them discover that change. Yeah, you were serene, but where's the peace for them in that? You know, it's, it's nowhere to be found. So... Uh, we have this withdrawn nature, and that withdrawn nature actually really fails to make any peaceful change for anybody. So what is the peace that Jesus gives us? Let's look uh, back at verses 11 in the first part of 13. <coughs> Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. And we're going to skip down. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, once, once you were far away from God. So Paul here is using very kingdom language, right? Like it really feels almost governmental. And that in his setting, that really makes a lot of sense because you have Rome, which is like dominating everybody. And then you have like this problem of the dichotomy of Jews and Gentiles and how does this work out? So, so nations, how, how do they get peace? How do they achieve peace? Uh, they create borders. They defend those borders. They, uh, they have peacetime, right? They make treaties. They, they can suppress with, with, with soldiers. They can suppress with economy, all sorts of things. But Paul's hope is not that Rome wakes up to solve everyone's problems, but instead that everyone wakes up to the availability of the kingdom of Jesus and the shalom peace that makes all things right. Cornelius Platinga wrote a book called Not the Way It's Supposed to Be, a breviary of sin. Here's a fantastic quote uh, about shalom peace. He says, The webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight is what the Hebrew prophets call shalom. We call it peace, but it means far more than mere peace of mind or ceasefire between enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts are fruitfully employed, a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in the other words, is the way things ought to be. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. Another, this is another way of saying that everything being in its proper place 
you know, people and communities and nations in the Old Testament, when they were practicing shalom peace, it wasn't that they weren't killing each other or weren't harming each other. They were actually working for each other's benefits. One country wanted to see a neighboring country flourish. So we're seeing an active, not passive peace, a peace that has us go out and do and bring it about, a peace that changes things. And we must acknowledge that change is disruptive. Rebecca and I went to the movies recently and we saw a little movie called Little Women. Anybody see that? No? Got one. None of y'all saw it. Oh, good job. I didn't read the book. I read the cliff notes. So... So, sorry, I'm not going to ruin it, but I'm going to tell you about a little shot that really rocked me in the middle. There's a scene, so if y'all don't know, Little Women's about a house of, of young women. Uh, they have a matriarch there named Marmy, right? That's her name, Marmy. So, so uh, in this scene, it's Christmas morning, all the girls wake up, and they're starving. And they get to the dining table, and there's just this huge spread of food and it's beautiful and it's gorgeous. And then Marmy walks in and she says, girls, I need to ask you something. There's a family in our community that's sick. They have nothing. Would you gift them your Christmas breakfast? And of course they do. Of course they do. So what they do is they walk to this house, but in walking, there's this transitional shot. There's nothing said, no lines. Uh, Rebecca doesn't even remember it. It was that quick. But it's just them walking across the screen Christmas morning with their baskets of food. And in the back, you have the community church, and you have all the other town people walking into the church. <clears throat> there's nothing wrong obviously with going to church, right? There's nothing wrong with the serenity side of peace. But there is something bigger, more dynamic than that. That calls us to do more than just come to a church. But calls us to be a holistic people that serves our community, serves our neighbors, makes sure their needs are met. This is the type of peace that we're bringing in our church. Uh, The next piece of the scripture says, But now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us by ending the system of law with commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating himself one new people. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God. Our hostility towards each other was put to death. So what was the problem here? The, the, the Jewish people, they... They, there was an identifier, right, that separated Jews and Gentiles. The, the, the Jewish folk uh, had this practice of circumcision. And this was an identifier that, that they were the people of God. But the Gentiles didn't have that practice. 
So inherently, they were left out. Because of the type of person they were, even in their belief, they were separated. But Jesus then comes and he tears that down and brings them to one people. You know, growing up, I had a great opportunity to grow up in church. Uh, I learned a lot about Jesus. And from a very young age, I had knowledge of Jesus. I believed Jesus was a, a real person, son of God. I believed those things happened. But there wasn't much that that had an effect on in regards to my life when I was really young. Even when I did things in church, it was more I was going along with the church than I was serving Jesus or a kingdom or my neighbor. I have a cartoon that I, that I spent a lot, like months and months on that I want to show you real quick. That kind of, it kind of describes... Not necessarily what I was taught, but how my child mind viewed it when I was taught. And so a lot of people have kind of seen this illustration, right? That there is a ravine that took me three hours to draw. So that is a ravine. If you're listening, this is a beautiful landscape with a sunset in the background. I'm just kidding. Okay, so there's little, we'll call him little Jason. Right, so little Jason's on one side of the ravine. And the other side, we have God, who I didn't know what he looks like, so I drew a cloud with a smiley face. So we have that problem, right, that we all know, that man was separated from God. So the solution is, Jesus died on the cross. And that cross, uh uh-oh, oh no, I couldn't make it on my own. I'm not a jumper. I'm not a jumper. We have this, we have this, inability to do it on our own, right? So Jesus comes, he dies, and it gives us a way to kind of climb over the top of the cross and get to God. But in my mind, even though Jesus did that for us, I wasn't able to make it. Some, for some reason, there was some inability. Yeah, he died for me, but am I worth that? Am I worth what he did for me? Is, is there, he died for me, but I still got to do something. And really, you know, it was this all the time, this, this guilt I was carrying around, this heavy weight of not being enough. And this wasn't theology. This isn't what I was taught, but that's how I felt. So instead, and I have to say, going into this one, this one is really inspired by a church friend of ours, Sid Holslaw. And I really struggle with her name. I always want to say coleslaw, but don't tell her I said that. <laughs> Sid's a wonderful lady, and this is, this is kind of a view that's, uh, if you're using the fancy terms, kind of a uh, Christus Victor view. And uh, this is what I really related to. When I was, so when I was 19, I really had that moment where Jesus pulled the rug out from underneath me, and my life was changed. And it was a moment when I realized that while I did have the knowledge of who he was, I'd never took the invitation to join his kingdom and join in with it. And so here we have Jesus's life, the way he lived, Jesus's death, 
the way he died and Jesus' resurrection. So Jesus lived a pretty disruptive life, right? He really stirred things up. And then, of course, he died in a very disturbing way. And God even disturbed death itself when he raised Jesus. And because of his way of living, of dying in faith, and God rewarding that faith and raising him, do we run to God? Do we make it across that bridge? God comes to us. My inability, my shortcomings, don't make a difference. If you feel like low, it doesn't, God's all around you. When you feel far, he's near. When, you, when he feels near, he's near. He's always right there listening to you. So through this disruptive life, death, and resurrection, Jesus brings new life. His kingdom expands. He brought the kingdom here. He brought God to us and he bonded that that was broken. It felt incredible. I really felt like, really, honestly, the the closest thing is like Simba. Simba. Yeah. Anybody remember Lion King? Yeah, Lynette does. All right. So, so Simba's off, right? And he's really lost his way. He's really lost who he is and his identity. Yeah, you do. <clears throat> and it isn't until he's reminded who he is, the calling he has, and the spirit that lives within him that he then just takes off, right? He doesn't even tell his friends. He just starts running, just running, 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 and he gets in. What does he find? A kingdom in darkness. Scars in charge, right? The hyenas have moved in. Everything is dying. The family is broken. And Simba pushes back against it. And when his family sees that, his family joins in. And when the animals of the kingdom see that, the animals join in and they chase the darkness away. That's what bringing peace is. It's joining in with the kingdom of Jesus to push against the darkness, to spread that light so that other people can experience the peace, the the overwhelming peace that we already have. Question three is, where are we seeing that kind of peace? Man, lately, so many of you guys have been helping Rebecca and I with our house, having just giving up hours, vacation days, dollars. We see that piece in you guys all the time. All the time. Another place I saw it recently, if we can, uh, right there. Look at that. That's 12-hour-old Juan Francisco. It was a tough night. But before that, it was a tough pregnancy, right? Like, this, this wasn't even like a probability. But God made that happen. You know what my wife loves asking all new dads? She asks, what did you feel like when you held them for the first time? And, uh, 
you know, we always get like, oh, my world just, it's crazy, turned upside down. I'm out of my mind. I don't know what to do. Is this real life? Uh, Miguel said, when he held Juan Francisco, he said, this is what I'm meant to be doing. That's it. That's it. That's shalom, right? All things the way they're supposed to be. All right, let's look at another example of shalom. That's the door of the Hernandez apartment. They're like, our house is crazy. Why is that up there? That's a, you guys, that's a place where I find peace. And not just me, a lot of other people find peace there. And I know that's not just our neighborhood group. All y'all's neighborhoods group have that, right? Hopefully. You know, there's, there's some when they don't, and that's okay. That's okay. When it's not working, when it's not going on, you step in, not away. Step in to Jesus and into each other. Now let's look at one more. That's, that's the neighborhood table. A place where everybody is welcome. A place where we have English speakers, Ethiopian speakers, Spanish speakers, American Sign Language speakers, and it doesn't make a difference. There's no ID check, no paycheck check. Nobody cares. All they care about is eating with their neighbor. How shalom is that, guys? And there's so many other places we can find it and we can bring it. Let's look at the last little piece. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. You Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens. You are members of God's family. We are carefully joined together in him. The type of peace Jesus changes, the type of peace Jesus gives us changes our lives. It enables us to join in with him. When Jesus says, remember when he says in scripture, this is the peace I give to you? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's giving God to humanity at that moment. He's saying, here, here I am. You can have me. That is the peace that Jesus gives us. And now we get to give it with others. <clears throat> it's a type of peace that surpasses all walls, all borders, and even surpasses death. That's crazy, right? We can love who we are. Who we can love our country, right? We can be we can be uh, patriotic, but that dies with us, right? Our kingdom expands beyond that. The kingdom of Jesus isn't limited by that. So that when we're raised, and when our brothers and sisters are raised, and we're shoulder to shoulder with the Iranian and the El Salvadorian, we can call them brother and sister. Is that the type of peace we want in our lives? Is that the type of peace we want filling up our life? Is that the type of peace we want to offer others? If anyone's in here and has thought, you know what, that's not something I've really belonged to ever in my life. I really haven't made that decision. I believe Jesus is real, but I've never stepped into that kingdom and been that way. Talk to us. Let's change that. In a moment, we're going to come and do communion. And communion is a place of shalom. It's a place Jesus reserved for us where everything else is blocked out and all are welcome. 
every time we step to this table, we're stepping into faith and we're stepping into the kingdom of Jesus. If you haven't done that, talk to us tonight. Don't let it, don't let it pass. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the peace that you give us. Thank you so much for just, uh, for letting us be a part of your kingdom and letting us push back with you. To not sit by passively and watch things just pass unchanged, but to get involved, to get in, to get our hands dirty with you. Lord, you gave Adam a garden to tend. You were giving him shalom before shalom was a word. Thank you for giving us this garden. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight's benediction is by Aubrey Smith. May we proclaim Jesus as good news to those in need of good news, welcoming the unwelcome, eating with sinners and outcasts, and blessing those that the world has deemed unworthy of God's blessing. May we not seek power, prestige, or wealth. As new creations, may we seek the power of the Holy Spirit, the status and reward of being known by God, and may we pursue generosity in a store of treasure that cannot be stolen or destroyed. May we serve one another as well as the poor, the powerless, the least in our world, just as Christ came not to be served, but to serve. May we throw off the weight of selfish ambition and vain conceit, following Jesus into a life of humility, sacrifice, and obedience, even to the point of death, that the extraordinary power of God might be displayed in these jars of clay. May our unshakable hope remain in Christ, whose sufferings we share, whose comfort and mercy is abundant, and whose power raise the dead. Go in peace.